0: It's episode 87 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show. This podcast provides the tools you need to create your own expression of a healthy ketogenic lifestyle so you can stop obsessing and start living. I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. Now let's get on with the show have exciting news coming from our friends over at Rasa. I know a lot of you are already on the Rasa train, but for those of you who haven't tried it yet, Rasa coffee is a coffee alternative that's made of adaptogens with no caffeine. These adaptogens are super herbs. They help you combat and cope with stress while also providing a natural and healthy energy boost. The biggest question I get about Rasa is, does it taste like coffee or what does it taste like if it doesn't taste like coffee? And I will tell you, no, it doesn't taste like coffee, but it does still provide that hearty, robust, earthy, warm beverage that you want in the morning when you wake up. I know that's kind of the first thing I crave when I wake up. And Rasa does it for me without the caffeine or the jittery feeling that comes with it. The cool thing is that now Rasa has come out with two new flavors and you are going to want to get your hands on them. First, there's the cacao Rasa. This is a blend of the original Rasa With cacao beans, the combo creates a rich chocolatey beverage that is so good, and it's great as a mid-afternoon pick-me-up. It has less than five milligrams of caffeine, so it makes for a very non-stimulating coffee alternative that you can have at any time throughout the day, and it's packed with those great adaptogens and antioxidants. I've been whipping mine up with some coconut cream in the middle of a chilly day, and it really hits the spot for that little mid-afternoon treat. But keep in mind, there's no sweetener at all, which is great for us keto ladies. And that means it gives you that chocolatey flavor without the sweetness. You guys are going to love it. It's also still going to do all those same great benefits to support your adrenals and your stress response while giving you a little bit of a boost midday. Then there's the Dirty Rasa, which contains a little bit of organic, fair-trade, women-grown and operated coffee mixed in with their original Rasa. This does have a little bit of caffeine for those days when you just need a little extra pizzazz in your day, and also great for those looking to slowly wean themselves off of caffeine or just drink a little bit less caffeine. It's kind of Rasa's idea of a half-calf situation. But again, you're getting those adaptogens, you're getting that health health benefit of the original Rasa at the same time. Now, I've actually been mixing both of the two flavors together as my morning pick-me-up, and I have to say it is so yummy. You've got to try it, especially blended with some healthy fats like coconut cream, ghee, coconut oil, MCT oil. Blend that up. It will really hit the spot, whether it's in the morning or maybe even mid-afternoon. Our friends over at Rasa, they love us here at Keto for Women, which means they're giving us 20% off of your order when you go to wearerasa.com. Use the coupon code Keto, the number four, women, and you will get 20% off your order. Again, that's We Are Rasa, R A S A. .com use the coupon code KETO the number 4 women and get 20% off your order over on their website a huge thanks to Rasa for helping this show come to air and for that amazing deal they're giving to all of us Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, for joining me on this episode of Keto for Women, another great hot seat episode coming at you with all of your questions, which means I have another great co-host with me again. Kristen is back for more. I didn't totally scare her away in episode 85.
1: I haven't gotten voted off the island yet. She's still here. How does it feel? Back for more. Well, I'm getting the hang of it, maybe. Maybe.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's only been two episodes now, and podcasting isn't easy. I'm not a quitter. But you feel like you have some natural tendency in front of the mic. you like uh, a natural. Sure. A little Fake bit. Fake it till you make it. Exactly. That's what we're doing here. Happy to have her back, and she'll be the one... Basically, just as you probably have noticed, keeping this all organized for me. So on today's episode, we have some really great questions and they are all kind of grouped together in similar categories, which makes it a heck of a lot easier to answer them concisely and keep on the same task, whereas you probably all have noticed in past keto hot seat episodes. I'm all over the place because I'm literally just at answering them as they have come in on the Instagram and Facebook posts that I do. So we've taken some time to actually organize them and they will flow a lot better, as I'm sure you probably noticed already in episode 85. We'll get to the questions in just a second. I do want to bring up something with Kristen here And we touched on it a little bit in the last episode we did together, just how explosive keto has been lately. And I really, you know, I saw it last year for sure, but then it almost seems like the turn of 2019 really made it just go all out. Everyone is talking about keto. Everyone's doing keto restaurants are getting in on the game and we noticed it here i think it's all over but definitely here in the states i'm assuming this chipotle thing where they're doing lifestyle bowls and now they have a keto specific bowl they also have a paleo bowl a whole 30 bowl all of this just came out you actually got a text about it
1: sure did they're advertising it like crazy
0: And I think it's a great thing for so many people who are new to this lifestyle and trying to figure out what they can eat, where they can eat, can they still go to their favorite restaurants, which I know Chipotle is the favorite for most people, and including people like us because before these lifestyle bowls even came out, you really can tailor it to what you're doing as far as your nutrition guidelines for that time period. I mean, we've been going and having more paleo style bowls and then the keto bowls. Pretty much the same thing, very similar, at least for me. With their lifestyle bowl, the keto bowl has dairy, which I don't do dairy as part of my keto. So it's pretty much just a paleo bowl. But it is really nice to have these options for people that are coming into the scene or even just for people like us
1: who make it so much easier to order. to be Like I want the keto bowl now, which is so great. Yeah. I really can't think of another quote unquote diet that has taken off so fast like this and that brands and products and restaurants are all getting on board and labeling things. Can you?
0: No, because it definitely wasn't that way with paleo. It took several years before things, and they were still really timid about it. And with this, it's like all of a sudden everyone's all in. I mean, we have companies and brands talking to us all the time about how to get into the keto space. I went to Whole Foods the other day, and we just got a paleo bar that's paleo specific. There's no canola oil. There's no grains and legumes, none of the weird stuff that's in the rest of the Whole Foods hot bar, which if you have a Whole Foods near you, you know what I'm talking about. They all have hot bars, I think now at this point, but we finally got a paleo bar last year. It hasn't even been there quite a year yet, I think, or maybe about a year. And then this turn of the year, 2019 January, we now have a keto bar. So they put keto stuff in place of the paleo bar. It was crazy to see. I was really excited about it. Of course, then I read further and the ingredients contained dairy. Really actually great stuff. They just happened to have dairy and that's not something I do. So it wasn't anything that I eight, but really exciting to see. And even just in the Fat-Burning Female Project, just this January class, there have been multiple ladies posting. And obviously these are ladies from all over the world. And they're posting these menu items that they see coming from trying to do a Fat-Burning Female approach that all are labeled keto. And these are just regular, normal restaurants all over the place. so. I am saying this and having this conversation with a level of excitement, but also a level of caution,
1: I would say too. Well, the skeptic over here says, this is a good time to remember to ask for ingredient lists if they don't have them posted. Just because it's labeled keto doesn't mean it's healthy or made from quality ingredients. So... That's I know. Yeah, and that's
0: what the beauty about when things started being labeled as paleo, it's like at least we knew the ingredients were going to be real food ingredients, but that's not yet fully absorbed into the keto community, I guess I would say. So, you can still label things as keto and they're just totally crap ingredients like we talked about last time. We see it all the time and I don't even talk about those products obviously, but Yeah, I think it's still always with a level of caution, and like I mentioned, my biggest concern with this, and I think Kristen would agree, is that it comes with this wariness that I have that it's going to become a fad diet, and I don't want it to, and that's, again, just going to remind you all where we all come in as people who are using this as a healthy lifestyle change to keep it around to talk about the benefits beyond just losing 10 pounds in 10 days, all of that stuff so that it sticks around and becomes a long-term health lifestyle, not just a trend, not something that's going to go away in six months because people tried it all out and they made themselves worse or they didn't lose the 10 pounds in 10 days so they think it's all crap just all the things that could potentially go here we don't want that to happen hey all you true crime fans this is mike ferguson and this is mike Mor.
1: Yes. I heard you're going to Portland.
0: I am going to Portland very soon. I'm actually in Hawaii now. Quick little turnaround to Portland instead. Hey, that works. I will be in Portland the first weekend in March. And while I'm there, I'm at the NTA conference. So if you are going to the NTA conference, I hope that you... Come up, say hi, chat with me, whatever. I want to get to know you and chat with you as much as I can. But if you're not going to the conference, you can still meet up with me Friday, March 1st in downtown Portland. So if you are live in Portland, nearby, just hanging out, going to be there that weekend, please come see me. It'll be Friday night. All of the information is available over on my website, seanminor.com slash events. And if you are going to be there and you want to hang out, just let me know. Make sure you sign up. It's free, but we do need a headcount. So make sure you get that in. Let me know that you're going to be there. Can't wait to meet you all in person. And then the weekend after that, I'm in LA, March 9th. It's a Saturday. I am doing another meetup for all of you Californians or anybody that will be around, or even if you'll be at Expo West, which we will be Kristen and I, you can come meet us there. But if not, head to the Oh So Good Bone Broth storefront. I cannot wait to see this thing in person. Having a bone broth store is like my dream come true, and especially with Oh So Good stuff. So really excited to head there. Again, you can go to Seanminer.com slash events for all the information there. Make sure to RSVP if you can attend so I can let the people over at Oh So Good know that
1: you will be there with me. Quick question. Yes. Are you a hugger? I am. I am a hugger. Okay. Are, Are you, you? With strangers? Yes. Hmm.
0: Well, they're not strangers. They're my Keto true, for Women friends. True, true, Okay. I mean, I probably would with a stranger anyway. IRL. But, you know, it's a little w- different in this way, especially because a lot of people come up to me and say, I feel like I know you. And I'm like, I feel like I probably know you too if I were to hear you every week. On a mic but you don't do that i do so therefore we're just friends that way mm, mm, good call okay. it's an interesting situation to be in but yes definitely we'll hug are you gonna hug no no
1: nope. not a hugger I'm not a hugger. far away from no, her it's, it's awkward i'm sorry it's really awkward <laughs> no please go hug her uh-uh, it'll be great do it. do break it. that awkwardness right away okay let's roll into some questions huh <laughs> we got some good ones this week Woohoo! questions you want to talk about insulin resistance Mm, let's do it. It's a hot topic. Yes, we got a couple submitted in, but two very different ones. So I'll start out with Ashley. She wants to know, what are your thoughts on being keto for a long time causing insulin resistance? I've heard some people talking about it recently really interesting question. I actually
0: had to chat with Ashley a little bit and figure out where she was hearing this because to be totally honest, I hadn't heard about it at all. It was completely new to me. So I did a little digging. It seems like it is actually mainly coming from bloggers in the nutrition space, not anybody that's knocking keto or low carb or anything like that, but just something to be aware of. And I will actually link to one that I found in the show notes if you want to look into it further. But what I have found is that if you are low carbohydrate for a period of time that, you know, it's going to be different for everybody, but would be constituted as long-term for everybody, you could potentially get into what's called physiological insulin resistance. It is a completely normal biological reaction when we have a lack of glucose in our bodies. When something has the word physiological in front of it, you can kind of think of it as just what your body is naturally going to do to stay in a state of homeostasis, which is like a nice, balanced, healthy state. That's what our bodies are meant to do. That's what they will always try to do for us. And sometimes that means they have these tendencies that will actually help protect us, but may seem bad when in reality they're not. So physiological insulin resistance is one Of those. So when you've been in a low glucose state for a period of time, your body will make sure that the glucose that it needs for its really important functions, specifically in the brain, there is a piece of our brain that will always be dependent on glucose. And in order for your body to make sure that that glucose is readily available for that high need, it will put you in a state of insulin resistance so that the glucose isn't taken by the muscles, which isn't as high of a need. There isn't that much purpose there as Opposed to our brain, which is kind of essential. So that's all it's doing. It will kind of maybe look on a blood test as if there is an insulin resistant state going on for that period of time. It's not all the time, it's not forever, nothing like that. So, kind of something you would go in and out of. And also important to note that it is only going to be something that would happen in people who are lean, weight-stable people. So they've already reached their happy, healthy weight. They probably work out a lot. They have a lot of muscle and you know, lean body mass available. This is where that would come into play. So not a ton of people either. And the cool thing is that in order to keep this from happening, all you have to do essentially is move. So work out, move, that kind of stuff, which those people are probably already doing anyways. So it kind of becomes this like non-issue, in my opinion. It's a really interesting concept and really cool to understand. I think that our bodies can and will do that for us. Just again, another protective measure. I think our bodies are so cool when we actually let them do what they're designed to do, but not something that you really truly need to worry about. And I also personally think that if you are 100% focus on your body, your needs, how you feel. If it's something that's a problem that will naturally come up in how you feel. Maybe you don't feel as good in your workouts or throughout the day. Maybe you're having some kind of insulin resistant type symptoms and then you would know perhaps to maybe eat more carbohydrates now, now that you know that this is what could be going on. So very cool question. I'm glad that Ashley asked that. I'm glad I got to do some research on that. So now I know too.
1: Well, it'll be cool to watch over the coming years as science catches up with Mm -hmm. this, because these are all, I think, very new concepts. And again, with keto becoming more and more trendy, then I'm hoping more money will go into researching things like this and what's happening in the body and why it functions this way. Yeah. I mean, I think no matter what, anything really
0: here that we're talking about in the keto space, there are so few long-term studies that there's still so much to learn. So, so, so much to learn. And so anything that you're talking long-term is all at this point, I guess, like very well-educated speculation, Mm. I would say, and maybe some anecdotal evidence in there too. But nothing is hard science because we haven't gotten anywhere near catching up with this.
1: Yeah, it's very true. Well, on the flip side, we have another insulin resistant type question from Nancy. So she asks, "She says, thank you for your very informative podcast." Well, thanks for listening, Nancy. Yay, thanks. Nancy. I started your lifestyle on October 11th, and because of my insulin resistant diagnosis, I know it'll take me a little longer to get into ketosis. I'm 72 years old and a retired nurse, so I have some basic knowledge of the process. I'm in it for health over weight loss, but learning and revising as I go. My main emphasis is low glycemic response and. finding the right amount of carbs, but so far, nothing much has happened. Sean, what kind of advice do you have for Nancy? Well, first
0: of all, I love that Nancy, she put it in quotes, but she still called it a lifestyle. I think that's great. I think that she is focusing on her health over weight loss and really just taking all of this knowledge that she's getting and using it to her advantage. That's what we talk about here every single episode, and that's what she's doing. So this question brings me so much happiness because this means we are actually approaching everything we're doing now in the right way. And I hope more of you have this kind of response or question or just how you're approaching everything right now in the way that Nancy is. So that's what I want to say first of all is kudos to Nancy. I'm so excited for what she's doing. She's taking charge of her health. 72 years old. That is the way to go for extra longevity there. Now, I know I have mentioned this in the past, but always kind of a good idea to go over what it even means to be insulin resistant. So in the very, very basic way that I can possibly describe it, it is when your cells in the muscle, fat, and liver, primarily, they stop responding well to insulin and then they can't really get glucose into their systems, into the cell where they need to be. Now, why this happens is you can kind of think of it, this is how I think of it, again, in my head. I think weird things in my head all the time. though. So Maybe this doesn't make sense. But how I think of it is insulin, it's a hormone, but it is actually taking glucose when you eat it, when it is consumed and it's in your bloodstream, taking it by the hand and showing it the way into the cell so it has the key it know, has the map it knows exactly where to go glucose doesn't so it takes it by the hand and sends it over to the right place in the cell and to the right cell it opens the gate with its key and lets the glucose in now when this happens too much too often too frequently which is the case for anybody who's over consuming carbohydrates now it's not like any carbohydrate is going
1: to be too much it's just Too often, that whole process is being overdone. Well, it's like I'm sitting here on the couch wanting to catch up on my Netflix and someone keeps knocking on my door. It's really annoying to have to keep getting up and checking the door. So eventually you're just going
0: to ignore that thing. Exactly. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. I have some Netflix on and I'm not getting up. My cat's on my lap. (laughs) There's a blanket. It's cozy. Things are good. It's the same thing. It's just like eventually that wears out and that process just halts. It comes to a halt. That makes you insulin resistant. It makes your insulin resistant to that continuous knocking on the door. So that's what's happening in Nancy's case. I hope that makes some sense. It's about the most basic way that I could ever explain it. And I explained that that way in the Better Blood Sugar project that I did for my fat-burning femaleers back a few months ago. And for a lot of them, the response was, oh, that's the first time I actually understood what insulin resistance means. So I'm hopefully thinking you guys will think the same. But anyway, let's go back to Nancy here. Yes. When you are insulin resistant, you can kind of understand now that we know what it means in layman's terms, why it would take longer for your body. Blood sugar to regulate for you to get into a ketogenic state because you're going to have a really hard time getting into ketosis while still having this insulin resistant state and just having wonky blood sugar overall. That's one of the reasons why people do have a hard time getting into ketosis. So I think Nancy is on the right path. She's doing the right thing. She's really trying to find out which foods do and don't work for her, how many carbs do and don't work for her so that she can actually make this a long-term thing. And that is when you heal your insulin resistance, you get into a nice state of ketosis. I don't think Nancy needs to worry necessarily that she's not in ketosis right now or that it's taking longer. I think she's doing everything perfectly. She's lowered her carbohydrate intake. She's finding those carbs that are causing her this huge glucose response and she'll be good. She's in it for the long haul.
1: Yeah. Patience. It's always about patience.
0: Always. Every single time. Never once have I said, yeah, just do it for three weeks and you'll be good to go. You'll be keto. Your insulin resistance will be gone. Everything will be perfect. It never is that way. No,
1: no. Health equals patience. Health equals patience all the time. All right. What's next up? Next up, we got some questions about fat loss. Oh, weird. I know, right? (laughs) Shocking. But it's a thing. Always good to chat it's about. It's a thing. My favorite, actually. Yeah. So this one from Michelle is intriguing. She says, I'm 5'2", and I have a very high amount of muscle, 40%, but also about 26% body fat, and so I don't look toned. I have a really hard time losing fat. How can I lose fat without losing muscle? Mm, great question um, that for is the ex-trainer in
0: me. That's for sure. Well, no one wants to lose their muscle. I hope not. And if you're trying to lose muscle and you're a female, please stop. Because you will be so regretting that in about twenty years. You need depending it on how old you are at the time, but trust me, you want and need that muscle mass. We all do. So, congrats to Michelle for having a good amount of muscle. I do want to comment on the twenty-six percent body fat because, first of all, don't know how you're testing any of this if it's actually an accurate test or or whatever. But twenty-six percent body fat, if you're Actually, testing it in a way that is accurate is a really great spot for a female to be. That is very healthy. That is often what a female would need in body fat in order to maintain health, in order to stay healthy, in order to keep her hormones balanced, her adrenals in check. I mean, I've seen it all the time where people go under that, women go under that and start having problems. So I personally think that this could be your body's way of keeping you healthy by not letting you lose any more body fat. It could just be that that is exactly where you need to be and your body needs to be to be in its healthiest, happiest state. So I think I personally, for your case, would recommend just continuing to work out the way that you love to work out, stay moving the way that you love to move,
1: eat the way you love to eat and enjoy life. Well, we don't know Michelle's age. We also don't know if her life is stressful, if if her Mm -hmm. job is stressful some of those other key factors. So, Yeah, and that's something, you know, not just for Michelle,
0: but for everybody. If you are actually having a hard time losing body fat and you do need to lose excess body fat, of course there's some things that we can do and it's all the things that I talk about Every single time that I talk about weight loss resistance or gaining weight while keto, all these things that we go through here on the Keto for Women show, it's all the same stuff, but always helps to be reminded, right? As I mentioned in Michelle's case, I'm assuming that she's working out to some degree because she does have a higher amount of muscle. Although I don't know that 40%, I don't know how she even got that. Yeah,
1: I don't understand that. I haven't heard of someone- way to test that. Yeah, of having a certain percentage of muscle. So what I'm curious about is, is that like actual muscle in your body or is that activated tissue that's being used? Like, is she strong or is this just muscle mass?
0: Yeah. And that's actually something that I would like to chat about with Michelle and everybody is when you have muscle mass, you want to use all of that muscle mass plus start building more. So you want new muscle fibers. If you have muscle mass, then you need to make sure, which we all do just to varying degrees, of course, you need to make sure you're using that. Picking up the five pound dumbbells may not be using that. They're kind of like a layering system. So the five pound dumbbells are going to really tap into that first layer, but then what's the rest of the muscle fiber doing? Just hanging around, sitting around. It may take 20 Pound dumbbells. It may take 50 pound dumbbells, 100 pound dumbbells, whatever the case, in order to actually integrate all of your muscle fibers and start building new muscle fibers. That's when we really start increasing our strength, of course, and losing body fat because it takes so much effort for your body to do that, that your metabolism spikes up, how much energy you need throughout the day spikes up, even when you're just laying on the couch watching Netflix and not answering the door because your cat's on your lap. All (laughs) of those things you will just naturally start burning more fuel, needing more fuel to burn, And that's when we have a really nice place of maintaining muscle, maintaining strength, increasing even your muscle mass, but also losing body fat. So that's the biggest and best advice I can give. And I know you all know this already. You got to lift some heavy things. You absolutely have to lift heavy things. It needs to be challenging. Every single time you're picking up a weight and putting it back down, it should be a challenge. You should feel like jello after your workouts, not super, super... Sore because then you went too hard, but definitely feel some soreness, some fatigue, like you really worked your body.
1: Well, and I totally get this with Michelle. It can be frustrating if you are going to the gym and you're dedicated and you're being consistent with it and you're still not looking toned, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. or maybe feeling strong, then yeah, it's time to maybe mix up your style and, and start hitting some of those heavier weights. And then I think over time being patient, Mm -hmm. then you might start to see some of that body composition changes you're looking for. Yes. As long as
0: a huge caveat here, which brings us into the rest of the question everything else is great. If the rest of your health is on point, then it could, yeah, just be that you need to lift some heavy things. But you've also got to really look at your hormones and how those are balancing out because any sort of hormonal imbalance will cause fat storage. It's just what happens to our female bodies. Lucky us, right? It just happens. Stress, how that's playing out, how your cortisol levels are, because again, cortisol being wonky, either too high, too low all over the place will induce fat storage as well. Your gut health, if anything is going on in your gut, which we did just talk a few weeks ago, more specifically about gut stuff and the microbiome. And if your microbiome is out of balance, meaning maybe you have too little good bacteria and too much bad bacteria, any sort of imbalance there is going to change your metabolism and will definitely cause fat storage. And then food sensitivities too, which quite often shows up looking like it's fat storage, but really it's just inflammation. So finding those food sensitivities and taking them out for the period of time that you are working on your gut health will be really important. If you're continuing to eat something like dairy that your body doesn't tolerate, it will cause inflammation that looks like weight 100% of the time. I've seen it so, so often. So make sure that's good. Make sure you're sleeping well. Make sure you're not in any toxic relationships. You're not thinking toxic thoughts. I mean, there's so many things. The list goes on and on and on, but all of these do have great proof to show that they will continue your fat storage until you actually deal with
1: them and then also work out. Well, and this is totally an N equals one statement. So I'm curious if this is the case for you, Sean, but I know for me, if whenever I've ramped up my lifting and say, I am carrying a little bit more body fat or whatever than I need, then it seems like the muscle comes on quicker than the actual fat loss. So I think it, again, having like a long-term mm-hmm. approach to it and not just a couple of weeks, but knowing that over time, you might build a little muscle first before you shed a little extra fat. Might happen, so don't freak out about that. Yeah, the amount that you're gaining weight or something. I had to have this conversation as a personal trainer
0: because someone would come in, we'd start doing our lifting sessions, and then two, three weeks down the road, they would say, "I think I'm getting bigger. My clothes feel tighter." What's happening? This is having the opposite effect. I'm getting too bulky, all these things. And it's because that's what happens. You are changing your metabolic rate, which doesn't mean automatic fat loss and automatic tonedness or whatever you're looking for. Those are Matt's major air quotes right there. (laughs) But... It does mean you are building more muscle, you are getting stronger, you have these new muscle fibers you're now engaging, your metabolic rate is changing. So if you give it another month or two, it will make a totally different story happen. But you've got to play the long game. It just drives me crazy because, you know, women will then think, oh, this just makes me too bulky. I'm not cut out for lifting heavy things. And it's just because you've only been doing it for two, three, four weeks, and you haven't given it a chance to actually change your body composition. Okay. This is huge. You you made me get into a rant. I'm sorry. (gasps) You totally teed me up to start ranting about something that has nothing to do with anything. (laughs) I think it's good info. Hey. Just uh, saying. I just got to rant sometimes. Before we move on with the show, I have a great offer to share with you all coming from our friends over at ButcherBox. As most of you know by now, ButcherBox is the go-to source for the highest quality, best tasting meat sourced from happy, healthy animals. And I think we're all aware by now how important that is. For me, it's the only meat I'll eat because it's the only meat I trust these days. Even the meat at the grocery store nowadays that's labeled grass-fed isn't enough for me because many times that cow was still fed grains to fatten him up and they don't have to put it on the label. Cows are not meant to eat grains ever. This causes them to be really sick they store toxins in their fat and then we eat it and it makes us toxic as well. None of this funny business happens with Butcher Box meat. Their beef is 100% grass fed grass-finished, their pork is heritage breed pork, and their chicken is pasture-raised, which is pretty much impossible to find at a grocery store, yet so important. In order for a chicken to be truly healthy, it needs space to roam and feed off of its natural habitat. This does not happen with mass-produced chicken that most of us are eating today, and that's what's being sold to us. As you can see, I'm super passionate about this topic, the quality of meat I eat, and the quality of meat I recommend you eat and so is butcherbox. If you haven't already made the switch to better meat and you feel like now is a good time, go to butcherbox.com/kfw and get a really great deal. For the month of February, Butcherbox is giving you free bacon, free steak, plus $10 off to all the new customers. Let me tell you, their filet is not to be missed. I've never tasted anything like it. You guys, you get free filet mignon, grab that and run with it. I'll tell you, you'll love it. And of course, who doesn't love free bacon? Their bacon is sugar-free, Whole30 approved, delish. Head to butcherbox.com slash KFW to get this offer. It is only being offered for the month of February 2019. So if you want all these free goodies, make sure to head over there this month. Grab your offer. That's butcherbox.com slash
1: KFW. Okay, fine. We'll move along. Let's move on. All right. Keto Diva. I feel like I may have gained a little weight while on keto. I'm new to this lifestyle. Is it possible to gain if your body goes in and out of ketosis? Ideally, I should lose 10 pounds, but I'm not in a hurry. Just trying to do keto right. All right. Well,
0: kudos to Keto Diva for wanting to do keto right for her body. I will say I'm a little concerned with this I should lose 10 pounds thing because where is that even coming from? Who's telling you that you should lose 10 pounds? Is that a self-imposed rule that you've put on yourself? Is that something that your doctor said needs to happen in order for you to have a baby or be healthy or whatever your goal is? I'm just really curious about where that's coming from. I have a feeling since she's not in a hurry, she just kind of made this up. And I personally would say in that case to let that go let's kind of just completely take that out of this entire question and just say, I feel like I've gained a little weight. Am I doing keto right? How do I know what I'm doing? And just let's get rid of that 10 pounds because that in itself could be making you super stressed out and just keeping this from actually happening the way that it should for your body.
1: Sounds awfully similar to the lifting weights thing. Yes, it is actually it applies to this as
0: well. The long game. The long game, get over the hump, make sure you're doing the right thing for you, and just keep at it. Don't think that it's not working for you just because you may have a little bit of weight gain, which let's just talk about that here and now. When you are getting into a ketogenic state, especially at the beginning, and you feel like you've gained weight, maybe you feel a little fluffier, your pants feel a little tighter. It is very, very rarely actual fat gain. And when we're talking about weight gain, weight loss, I don't think any of us want to lose bone or muscle like we talked about. I hope not. So you actually want to lose fat. That's what we're all talking about. And when you... Lose and gain fat, never is it a quick process ever. So that means when you're saying, I think I've gained a little bit of weight, it's probably just water. It happens to a lot of us. Water retention is a really common symptom of getting into a ketogenic state as a female. It's not something that's talked about that much. I don't know why, but it is. So make sure that you are thinking about it that way. You're staying in the long game because you're just going to lose that water weight in like two weeks and feel like a totally different person. The actual question here is something I do want to address, which is it possible to gain if your body goes in and out of ketosis? is you're not going to gain fat by going in and out of ketosis. It's not like you are going from being a fat burner to being a sugar burner to being a fat burner to being a sugar burner. You're not doing that. It's part of the process and it is cumulative. So it's like your body learns that and retains that information. So going in and out of ketosis every once in a while doesn't mean your body forgets how to burn fat. That's actually what it's built to do. It's built to do that. It's built to do both. That's the beauty of it. The problem is that it's kind of forgotten that because we've been inundating our bodies with carbohydrates for so long. But yeah, we should, as humans, be able to go from a sugar-burning state to a fat-burning state, and that's what we're teaching our bodies how to do with this ketogenic lifestyle. So no, it's not going in a ketosis that is causing any sort of fat or weight gain, More than likely, it's something else. This is what I see commonly too, is if you actually are gaining true weight, that's not water weight, when you get into this ketogenic lifestyle... It's because keto has kind of brought something to the surface. It is a great way for you to learn more about some health issues that may have been kind of stuffed down there, may have been something you weren't paying attention to or weren't noticing. And now you've made this transition, you've tried something new for your body, you're being more aware of what your body's doing, and now you start noticing certain things. And it could be a hormonal imbalance, it could be stress, it could be cortisol, it could be food sensitivity all these things we talk about all the time that are actually, you know, really the reason behind this quote unquote weight gain and keto is bringing that to the surface. So it's not ever typically what you're doing keto wise, although there are some, of course, kind of nuances to that, you know, if you're eating more foods that you're sensitive to or that kind of thing, but it does often show us what we still need to work on. And maybe Keto Diva, you just need to still work on some things that you have going on. One quick caveat I have to this is... If you are going in and out of keto because you're having total binge, not keto at all days, and then you're having a keto day or two, and then you're going and having this totally not keto day, and that's what's kicking you out of ketosis, so you're going to back to eating chips and candy and soda and all this stuff, and then you're having avocado and bacon, and then you're going back to having chips and candy and pop, then you are definitely not doing anything good for your body. Even on those keto days, you're still kind of just barely scratching the surface of any sort of health gain that would happen. So that would be the caveat to that. If that's the case, you're probably gaining weight because of you're going in and out of
1: keto. But wait, can I just take some exogenous ketone supplements to oh, help with that? Oh, wow. Look at that transition. <laughs> oh, that it's getting good, everybody. Well, Kathy here has a great question about exogenous ketones. Let's do it because man, do I get questions about
0: this stuff a lot, even though I have answered it a million times, but it bears repeating. You get
1: real fired up, but Hey, look at on the shelf at the store, how many supplements are hitting the market. It's mm-hmm. Crazy. But Kathy wants to know are exogenous ketone supplements necessary or helpful to get back into ketosis after a day with too many carbs, specifically for people who have, only been strict keto for a month or so?
0: Yeah, I love this question actually and glad we're approaching the exogenous ketone topic this way because this is really the classic example of when I would absolutely never tell you to take exogenous ketones. Basically what you're doing is using exogenous ketones as a band-aid for not being keto. <laughs> so if you have a higher carb day while in your keto lifestyle, then do the work to get your body back into a ketogenic state. That's the beauty about ketosis and being on a keto diet or in a keto lifestyle is that you are doing some amazing healing things for your body and you're basically i hate to say it it's a bad word but i'm going to say the word cheating if you're just going to take some exogenous ketones to show up as having ketones in your blood i'm not even going to say to get you back into ketosis but to show that you have ketones going on in your blood and still feel like you can have these high-carb meals and high-carb days. What I'd rather you do is take longer to get into ketosis, use this information for your body. I think it's actually really great, great info to get for yourself for future reference, if you have a high carb day, how long does it take for you to get back into ketosis? Is it a day? Is it a week? Two weeks? It's really good info because that will tell you how sensitive you've been to those carbs, what sort of blood sugar issues you may have going on. And just... A reminder that you're in this for the long haul. You have some healing to do and you want to do it the right way. So again, it's very similar to throwing a prescription drug at something instead of actually finding out the root cause of what's going on in your body. It's kind of similar to that, which I know is a little bit harsh, especially for people that love exogenous ketones, but I definitely don't like it for this reason at all. Yeah. Seems like a crutch. Seems like it'd be really confusing for your body. It would be, yeah, and it's you're not actually doing any of the work to heal your body at that point.
1: Well, this question from Kelsey, do exogenous ketones really put you into ketosis faster? Are you a proponent of these products? I think we covered that. (laughs) I think everybody uh, knows that. Yeah, so do they help you get into ketosis faster? And And I'm going to add this in. Are there any examples of when you really do think they'd be okay to take?
0: So what these exogenous ketones do is they are ketones that are then going into your system, going into your blood. So you will test on your blood ketone meter and you will have extra ketones. Does that mean that they're doing all of the job that producing ketones on your own would do? Maybe to some degree, but probably not in the way or as well or as efficient as the ones that you are actually creating yourself with your own body. And again, you can have super crazy wonky blood sugar. You can have all these health issues and still technically be in ketosis, quote unquote, because you've now put exogenous ketones into your bloodstream, but you are not doing anything for your health. You're still having extra carbohydrates. You're eating foods that don't work for you. You're not eating enough fat to actually produce your own ketones. All the reasons that I just don't like them. So i I'm not even going to say it would put you into ketosis faster. I'm saying it would give the illusion that you are in ketosis without actually doing the work. So that's why I don't like them. Now, like Kristen asked, are there any times that I do like using exogenous ketones? I would say maybe on the off day where you're like have a test or something really important at work or something coming up and you need really good brain power and function, you may find that exogenous ketones do something for you there. So that would be one way, but that would be like, once every six months, or something where you just need a little extra kick because they do provide really good brain power. And then I would only say, other than that, for actual medical purpose, when you are someone or you know someone who is using a ketogenic diet or would do better with ketones in their blood with whatever health issue they have, and I'm talking like pretty significant health issues like Alzheimer's, dementia even cancer treatments in some ways, those kinds of illnesses that have proven track records to do better with high levels of ketones in the blood, then that would be where I would recommend that.
1: What about if you're an endurance athlete or someone that trains at a really, really high intensity that is authentically in ketosis and just needs an extra energy boost. Yeah. Like that could be used kind of as your pre-workout. I Mm -hmm. would think that that would be okay. Again, like Kristen
0: said, the caveat, you're already doing a ketogenic diet. You're in a nice ketogenic state. You're producing ketones on your own. And maybe it's just like your long run days or your long bike days. You need a little extra something. And that actually keeps you from needing to stop for a snack or something. Then I could see that being used too. But again, it's very infrequent. And- If you're actually really thinking about it in the way that I just described for the average normal person who's not an endurance athlete or isn't going through cancer treatment or Alzheimer's treatment, then it's just a really expensive crutch. Just another topic I get revved up about, as you can
1: tell. All right. Should we move on? One more question I think we'll have time for? Yeah. Let's hit one more. All right. So this one, we have a metabolism question from Michelle, another Michelle. I feel like my metabolism is broken. It seems as though I can't lose weight no matter what. And I feel like I have to eat so much less than everyone else. Any tips on what I can do to rev up my metabolism? Ooh, I have some tips for Michelle.
0: But what I do want to talk about first is I feel like Michelle is talking for so many women out there, especially if you have come from this past of dieting, which a lot of us have that are now in the keto community, trying to figure all of that out. And I hate to say it because you had such great intentions when you were going through all those diets and restricting your calories and fat intake, everything we've done to our bodies over the years with the diet trends but that really did wreak havoc on your metabolism. It absolutely did. And now Michelle is in this place, which I know a lot of us can feel for her and understand where she's coming from, where she just cannot lose weight. And not only that, but is eating so little. So she's just barely eating any food compared to everybody else and really still having problems. Now this is great For me, at least, because this is just a way that I can show you and remind you, and Michelle is this classic example, that it is not all about calories in versus calories out. If that worked, none of us would be here listening. I wouldn't be even talking about any of this because we'd all be at the perfect body fat. We would have this great, perfect, healthy, happy body that loved having too few calories and trying to basically function without any energy. So that's just not how it works. And Michelle is a perfect example of that. I know there are many, many more of you out there that are also perfect examples of how calories in, calories out isn't a thing and doesn't work. So... Now that we've gone through this work to really tank our metabolism, what do we do? Because we're trying to actually get it back and eat some food and be healthy and perhaps lose some weight. The first thing is you got to eat more food. You have to eat more food. It needs to be good, high quality, real foods with plenty of nutrients. Eat the rainbow as far as your produce is concerned. Have some really good, high quality, well-raised animal, meat, and protein, and fat, all of the stuff from the animal, all of the stuff from the ground. Again, it's all about the real food, but you've got to eat more of it. You have to start eating more. It is a total brain buster, I think, to teach your brain that you need to eat more food in order to lose weight. It is something I have to coach women on pretty much every single day, but it really truly does work. It just takes a long time. Your metabolism in general with everything that I give you here to do, not one of those things is it going to change your metabolism overnight. All of it takes time. All of it needs to be done together as a whole. You can't just pick or choose one or two. You've got to do it all. So you're eating more food. You're ramping up. Even if it totally makes you feel uncomfortable with it, if you're just not used to eating that much food, Do it
1: anyway. Make sure it's real food. It's so counterintuitive, but I love how Michelle says that she can't lose weight no matter what. And I can almost guarantee that she hasn't tried eating more. Oh, guarantee. And I know I am just like this. I'll complain and say, I've tried everything. This isn't working. Well, I've tried everything that I'm not afraid to do. Yes. The one thing that I should be doing, which is eating more, is probably the one thing I'm afraid to try. And that's off the list. But. It's for real. And you know what you she's trust probably
0: it. afraid to try? Lifting heavy things. Ooh, that's true too. Ooh, so true. You've got to move. Not only do you have to move, so there's two different categories here in the movement realm. You have to move more throughout the day, just general movement. Don't just sit at your desk. Stand for a little bit. Take some water breaks more frequently. Go walk around the block of your building if you work in an office building. Do more movement throughout the day. Even just flailing your arms when you're talking like I'm doing right now, even though none of you can see me, I move my arms all the time when I'm podcasting. Now, Kristen knows my secret because she sees me, but you've got to just in general move more. Then beyond that, you also need to work out. You need to actually do something that is improving your muscle And the amount of muscle you have and your strength, but also improving your endurance too. So you can do whatever it is that makes you happy. You can go to dance class. You can go hike. You can go run with your dog. You can go lift heavy things. Whatever it is, you've got to make a routine of doing something that is increasing your fitness level, I guess I will say. Now, no matter what that is, part of it has to be building muscle. We just talked about this. I won't talk about it again, but you have to build new muscle. You have to make sure you're utilizing all of the current muscle fibers you do have. A little bit of both would be great. And that is really going to come from lifting heavy things. You probably don't like to do it, don't want to do it, are scared if you are hire somebody to help you for the first few sessions, help you get comfortable with the gym. If you have a home workout equipment, you can get some videos now on YouTube really easily. Just do something that is increasing your fitness level and increasing your muscle mass. That is by far and away the most important thing to building a metabolism by far and away 100% of the time. Next, of course, when we talk more about actual health reasons why you might have low metabolic function, it's going to come back to your blood sugar and your insulin sensitivity. So again, you're doing the right thing by being keto to heal and work on that continuously. Keep at it. Keep on it. Make sure you are testing your blood sugar somewhat regularly. Make sure you're going to the doctor, getting your HbA1c tested hopefully getting your fasting insulin tested somewhat regularly. Keep on it with all of that. Same thing goes with your hormonal situation. Same thing goes with your adrenal status. Same thing goes with your thyroid status. All of those, those three in particular work simultaneously together to either help your metabolic function or hurt your metabolic function. So be on the lookout for all of those. You should know definitely where you stand hormonally, adrenally, which I think I made that word up, and also with your thyroid hormones. Lastly, goes along with the eating more food. Don't fast. If you have a sluggish metabolism, the last thing that you should be doing is not eating and putting your body even deeper into a state of not knowing there are nutrients readily available by causing more stress to your body by not eating, all of that stuff is not conducive to having a slow metabolism. Please wait until you have taught your body that there is plenty of nutrients and food readily available. It gets it into this safe place. It starts revving up your metabolism and then you can try fasting if that feels right at that point. So those are my kind of basic tips. Again, like I said, do all of it. Don't just do one and think that you're going to make this big, huge improvement. The more you do, the quicker it will come around, the easier it will be. And pretty soon you're going to be able to eat just as much food as your friends. And you're going to get to that healthy weight that you need to be at for your body to be happy. And
1: all will be well. And if you're sitting here right now thinking wow, that's a lot of stuff and feeling overwhelmed. Well then great. Just focus on one or two things at a time. Master one thing, be very mindful and intentional with it. And then a week or two later, tackle the next and the next little by little. Look at that voice of reason over there. I'm just the one that's like, do all of it now. Well, (laughs) some of us are cold turkey and all-in people, and some of us are baby step people. It's
0: true. It actually is true. I'm totally 100% an all-in person, and I know that many people aren't. So if that seems overwhelming to you, I think it would be super great to just master one thing. Really doesn't even need to be master, but just like think about one thing, get it down for that week. The next week, stay doing what you're doing and then add in the movement, add in the strength training, you know, every week add in something just to make it so that you will actually do it instead of like, cool, this is great. I'm going to try everything for three days and then do none of it long-term.
1: Yeah. Find what works for you so you can be consistent.
0: All right. I think we're done. That should wrap it up for today's episode. How do you think that went? Good. Great. It's like you're a seasoned professional now. Oh no. Old school podcaster right here. Well, it helps that these are great questions. Mm -hmm. I love getting these questions. Like I mentioned, we're going to start kind of tailoring them more to be specific topics. So be on the lookout for that. Follow me over on Instagram. At Sean Minor or on Facebook, Sean Minor Health. Look for those cues that I'm asking for questions to a specific topic. If you have something you want me to chat about and you want Kristen to read and chat about, and it will be great. I can't wait for those episodes coming up. Make sure to head over to my website. If you do want to meet me in person while I'm in your area, I can't wait for that either. Come give Sean a hug. It's going to be so fun. And until then we will chat with you all super soon. Bye.